Happy New Year. It's great to be in God's house on the first Sunday of the new year. Uh, Pastor Bob, I love how he uh, opened us during announcements and reminding us that we have an opportunity for perfect attendance this year. I want to up the ante and say you have perfect, you have the opportunity for perfect attendance this new decade. So if you're faithful, 10 years, you got a chance right here, right now to say you're going to be in church every Sunday here at Hyde Wesleyan Church for the next 10 years. I dare you. I dare you. And then 2030, 2030, it's only 10 years away. Let's dismiss and go crazy. On this first Sunday of the new year, uh, uh, it's, it's interesting how, how we in ministry get, get uh, advertised towards, uh, especially around uh, momentous times and seasons and uh, specific dates and opportunities. You, you're, 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 not, uh, you're not probably aware of how cheesy some church marketing stuff is, but it's kind of silly in some ways. Uh, we've capitalized in many ways, or, or many have tried to capitalize on the idea of uh, 2020 vision, right? Uh, the idea of, of, of saying, hey, in this new year, uh, pastor, you need to cast 2020 vision, to your church and uh, plan for church growth. And literally, probably uh, every week, something comes across my screen or my desk of my, my life in encouraging me as a pastor and encouraging us as a team to design things that would uh, influence growth in the, the coming year and season of ministry. And there's books, countless books. There are uh, uh, speakers, there are gurus, there are experts in church growth, there are websites and magazines and uh, blog posts galore that encourage church growth and encourage pastors to pursue growing, specifically their church. In fact, uh, just recently there was a, a series of messages that was uh, came across my, my screen and, and literally the advertisement was, if you preach this series, we guarantee your church will grow. So today we start. (laughs) I don't discount any of the methods uh, of church growth. In fact, I I, I want to. I want to be a student of church growth. I believe with all my heart uh, that to be a healthy and fit church, we have to be growing. Not just remaining plateau, not obviously declining, but growing. Not just numerically, but growing in depth as individuals, as we grow as disciples of Christ. We we shouldn't be able to help but grow. As we experience renewal of faith, as, as we experience the grace growing inside of us, a natural byproduct of lives changed should be more lives changed. Amen? You guys comfortable? Let's not be. As we start this new year, I want to go back to a passage of scripture that, again, personally, I've been studying, again, recently in my personal reading. It's from Acts chapter 2, and it's the reminder of the first church, the first people called Christians in scripture, the first people gathered in a specific way to identify as the church of Jesus Christ. 
Um, Acts chapter 2 is one of those passages that we go back to again and again in studying what it is to be the church, what it is to understand why it is we here in 2020 now gather like we do. Uh, We don't do it exactly as they did in the New Testament. There are some things we've added. There are some things we've subtracted. There's some things that, well, maybe we need to realign with in understanding. So I want to look at the characteristics of the early church on this first Sunday of 2020, and I want to ask the Lord. I want to ask the Lord to use these characteristics again in us to be his church, not to do church. Do you get the difference? Do do you know that there's some stuff that there's some stuff that we do when we say my church and we say, yeah, I go to church. Do you, can I say it again? We are the church, not, not what we're doing here. This is not church. We use that term interchangeably, but we are the church of Jesus Christ. So let's look at what it is we are to be. Acts chapter 2. I want you to turn there with me. Or uh, if you have your, your phone or a, a tablet. Speaking of phone, someone left a phone in the men's restroom. And it's right here in, in, uh, on my seat. If somebody forgot that, we want to see who gets up to come get it. <laughs> Hearing none, I'll sell it on eBay. Uh, Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 38. I'm reading from the New Living Translation again this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you do a work in these moments that we share together? Would you remind us of our identity in you? Would you do a work in our hearts as individuals and corporately as a church? Help us as we share in being ambassadors of yours, as we share in being created in your likeness, would you, Lord, use us as your church to be your church? Amen. Some characteristics of the early church that are worth looking at. There's only 47 that we're going to cover this morning. Just kidding. I say 47 because there's 10. So if I say 47, it calms you down when we go through 10. First, first this. The early church was a baptized Community. Scripture says it very clearly that this group of people were baptized together. Peter's message to this crowd here in Acts chapter 2 is this. 
Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And people responded. Right here in the opening verse, 40, uh, verse 41 says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized, and they added to the church that day about 3,000 people in all. How wonderful, how exciting, how overwhelming of a crazy worship service would it be if 3,000 of us removed the drums and walked down into the waters of baptism. It would be incredible, right? It would be earth-shattering, earth-moving. It would make a, a dent in our population. It would change things around us. We, we talk a lot in church about repentance and about turning from sin. I hope you've heard about repentance that Jesus calls us to. Uh, we are, as human beings, walking in a direction that is counter to our holy, perfect God. Since birth, we are walking away from God. It's uh, our, our natural proclivity. It's the way we are headed in opposition position to a holy, perfect God. Repentance calls us to turn from that way and walk instead towards God in relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. That is repentance. There is a second step in our continuing to follow after Christ, and it is baptism. I, I think one of the reasons baptism kind of gets, uh, in some cases, neglected or less talked about than repentance is because of the public nature of baptism. We, we talk about, in our circles here at Hyde Wesleyan Church, about how baptism is really a public declaration of what's gone on on the inside. It's an outward expression of what has taken place as we are made new in Christ. We are not made new by being baptized. We are made new in being in relationship with Jesus and we can't help but share it with the world. We can't help but tell others about it. Baptism is a very public thing. The early church seemed to have this marking of itself, this characteristic of being uh, very public about whose they were, about declaring to their community, about declaring to the world boldly that they were the ones of the way, the followers of Jesus Christ. We've been commanded by Jesus himself in Matthew 28 to go into the world, to declare the truth of who Jesus is, to disciple and baptize others. We know what baptism is. And the early church was baptized as a community. They were on display. They were all in. They were not ashamed as to whose they were. Let us be marked the same way, Hyde Wesleyan Church. As we enter into this new season of life, if you're curious about what it means to be baptized, if the Lord has done a work inside of you and you have not yet publicly testified through the act of baptism, please talk to one of our pastors about it. I would love to have a conversation with you. We've actually set up a website, baptism.hydewest.com. Uh, it's available for you to read about what baptism is according to Scripture and how we celebrate it here at Hyde Wesleyan Church. If you're interested, please check that out. Another characteristic of the early church in Acts chapter 2 is that they were students. Students of the apostles' teaching, verse 42 says, first of all, all the believers, Scripture says, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
Luke uses it uh, this way, this language this way, and how we have it translated here in the New Living Translation is they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. This phrasing gives us some insight into what it is they were gathered together to do. The Greek phrase that we've translated as devoted themselves is an important thing for us to understand in the original language. Luke is choosing, as he writes this account of the early church, he's choosing specifically to emphasize the continual nature of things. This devotion uh, is, is, is better understood as continuously adhered to. Or if you'll allow me this morning as your crazy pastor to say that, that these early believers were stuck to they were affixed to the apostles' teaching. They were so stuck to it. It was a part of everything that they talked about, about everything that they spent time with. They were stuck to it. I can't help but think of the gluey mouse traps that have been a part of my life in the past. You're laughing because you have some at home that you still haven't cleaned or thrown away. Have you ever seen one of those? Some of us would say that's pretty inhumane. We can have that conversation later. The result of the fall is mice, amen, and cats, amen. <laughs> Sticky mousetrap adhered to. Uh, imagine uh, that visual of being so caught up in, so committed to, so unable to do anything else that one of the characteristics of the early church was that they were so focused on, so devoted, so adhered to the gospel story. It was who they were. It was what they talked about. It was what branded them. It's what marked them. It's what they were known for. The gospel truth of God, a holy, perfect God, reaching down by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to meet us where we were in our brokenness, in our mess, in our sin, in our despair, in our darkness. His light was made known. And he came to save to seek and save, to call us to repentance, to be our bridge, to offer us a way out of our current path of destruction and eternity away from him. That teaching, that gospel presentation is what the early church was marked by. That's why they gathered together. They were committed to the Bible. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here again on this first Sunday of the new year. If you're not yet spending time working through a Bible plan, can I encourage you? There are so many Bible plans available to you. To read through a specific uh, book of the Bible would be a great place to start. Let me encourage you to start with the book of John. If you're not reading God's word every day, start with John today. If you're not challenged in your life yet to read through scripture as a whole let me encourage you i dare you take the next three years take the next five years however long it takes to read through scripture if you're not a part of a bible plan digitally uh, the bible app is a great place to start you can be encouraged every morning with a reminder just like we're reminded to wake up with our alarm you can set an alarm in the bible app to remind you to read god's word every day 
Let's keep looking at these characteristics of the early church. The next is that they, they fellowshiped together. Not just fellowshiped together, but here under this same heading in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves. They were stuck to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to gathering together under this same heading. This was a, a marker of the early church, corporate fellowship for worship. What was a marking identity for the early church. It's not to be overlooked that they were devoted to fellowship. Similar to uh, their devotion to the teaching of the apostles and the, the gospel message, this early church is laser-focused on gathering together, on being in relationship together, being in community. You don't need to look very far to know how many directions we are pulled. We talk about it uh, very often in many of our circles, how many excuses we have to not be present for worship. We've even had some jokes together this morning about the idea of how easily and how susceptible we are to uh, having an excuse for not gathering with God's people for worship. I saw it, I'm sure it was on Facebook, one of your Facebook, I don't know whose it was. A reminder of how often uh, we have excuses for why we aren't gathered in church, but it should be time for us to use church as our excuse to not be a part of something else. I like that. Well, we do. We, we have a lot of things going on in our world that conflict with Sunday morning, and I like the idea of saying, no, I can't be a part of that. My commitment, my heart, my devotion is to be with God's people and worship together, celebrating the grace that we've experienced together. As we learn from the early church, the aspect of being gathered together should be a part of what we set our schedules and plans around. It should be a priority. Luke continues to remind us of this early church. The fourth characteristic is that they shared the Lord's Supper together. They devoted themselves, again, verse 42, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. They were devoted to remembering. Other translations uh, use this language, the choice of words of saying that, that, that they broke bread together. The reminder, again, is that they were joining together, not just to eat together. We like to do that. Amen? Anybody want to take your pastor to lunch today? I thought I would try it. We like to eat together. This group of believers was gathered to do that. It was a part of their life, but they also broke bread together as a way of remembering the grace that was offered to them. They didn't just gather together to eat nonchalantly. They didn't just gather together to go about business as usual. They gathered purposefully to remember the gift. They were devoted. They were stuck to remembering why it is they are the church. Why it is they are fellowshipping. Why it is they are focused on gathering together. Again, intentional remembering of the sacrifice of Jesus, of the grace, the gift given to them to cleanse them whiter than snow. They were intentional to remember. And how easy is it, friends, for us to lose track of why it is we do certain things? 
How, how, how fast do we get to a point in our ritual of life that we forget sometimes why it is we're even in a specific spot or doing a specific thing? And yet in other instances, we know of the benefit of memory, of reminding. Uh, as we moved into our new home, we moved everything we own from one location to a new location. And when you do that, you open up stuff that you forgot you had. Amen? Amen. Sometimes you open up things like yearbooks and you forget how much you wish you hid those things better. <laughs> but we know, we sometimes enjoy the memories of looking down memory lane, going back in our phones through the archives of photos, going back through those memory books and scrapbooks that some of you still do. We know the benefit of remembering, recollecting, looking back with fond memories of the things we too as the church must be marked this way of remembering why it is we're gathered. We are not simply gathered here today to do church. We are here. The doors are open. The lights are on. The seats are here because of the message of hope offered to grace in Jesus Christ. We are here to be recharged in some capacity. We are here to be reminded as the body of believers of why it is we are to take breath today because we've been given so much. Another characteristic, number five, they prayed together. Again, verse 42 says the believers devoted themselves even to prayer, the last part of the verse. The early church was devoted to prayer. This was an earmark. Uh, uh, the book of Acts especially uh, emphasizes again and again the importance of prayer in the early church life, both private and public in prayer. Acts chapter 1 verse 42 says the disciples all joined together constantly in prayer. It was what they did. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. One day Peter and John went up to the temple at the time of prayer. Acts chapter 12. Peter is in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. All throughout the New Testament, there's an emphasis in a concerted prayer effort in, in being in communication with God. In understanding that prayer is not simply a, a one-way direction. It's not just us going to God and asking Him for things. Maybe that's our elementary understanding of what prayer is, but in reality, it's a two-way conversation. It's a two-way highway that God wants to speak to us in those still moments. God wants to communicate His grace continually in those times of prayer. Here at Hyde Wesleyan Church, I'm thankful for a number of identifying marks of how we continue to grow to be a church that prays together. I'm thankful for pastors Doug and Karen Roan and their emphasis in prayer here at our church as they lead a group on Wednesday nights who gathers for the purpose of praying. As they continue to try to put together teams of people who uh, pray with me as your pastor on a Sunday morning before church. They have a calendar of many people who pray for the needs of our church staff, our pastoral team. If you're interested in those things, please uh, see them. Ask one of our other staff pastors how you can be involved in that. We must continue to grow to be a church that prays together, prays individually, seeks the will of the Lord in all manner. Amen? Another characteristic of the early church, number six, they experienced together the miraculous. 
Verse 43 says, a, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I don't know about you, but I'm uncomfortable reading verse 43. It, it gives me a little heebie-jeebies. As I read verse 43, and I'm like, whoa, what? what, what? I, want, I want to know more. Show me that film. Show me the, show me the video footage. What kind of, as I read the New Testament, I see again and again how God showed up in miraculous ways. I, I think sometimes we're a little bit nervous about this kind of stuff. We're a little bit timid about God doing God stuff in our midst. And maybe some of it's because we've been jaded. We've seen it faked. Some of it's because of our skepticism. We wonder if uh, what we're hearing about or seeing is really God showing up. We, we, we've been fooled before. But I want to be a church. I want to be marked as a church that believes God for the impossible. I don't serve a God who simply does things the way that I want him to. Amen? I don't want to serve a God that simply uh, works in the, the manner that I think is the best way. I, I don't want to serve a, a God that can only do what I can do with a little bit of help. We serve a God who is not bound by our time. He's not bound by our space. He's not bound by our lack of resources and opportunity. One of my professors from Bible school writes in his book entitled Gather, Dr. Keith Jury writes this, We have, as the church of Christ, come to believe in a God who showed up often in the past, but who seldom shows up in the present at least we still cling to the belief that he will show up in the future to resurrect us at the second coming. By doing this, we have become practical atheists, continuing to attend church, serve on its boards, and participate in its ministries, while, all the while, secretly doubting there is anything supernatural about the whole thing. This is why we desperately need God to show up today in undeniable ways. I want to see God do the impossible. I believe he can. I believe he has. And I believe he will. Now more than ever, maybe in our church, maybe in our families, we need to be people who trust God for the impossible, for the miraculous. Trust that God will show up in unannounced ways, in uh, unnatural, supernatural ways. And we need to be people who testify to God's unnatural ways, of the ways God has provided in, in ways that maybe other people would say that's just coincidence. Let's not let that be an earmark of our church. Let's not rule out God's ways as coincidence. Let's be men and women who identify God's hand in our lives. Number seven, this early church seemed to have true community. Verse 44 is a little uncomfortable. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. My neighbors were in first service this morning when I said this. <laughs> How many of us have trouble? We've talked about this before. Have trouble even loaning a neighbor your garden rake, because it's a nice garden rake. I mean, you paid real good money for that garden rake that you use once a decade. True community here in the early church is that they 
had things in common in other translations. In reality, the language means that they shared everything that they had. They were one community together. They saw a need in their community and they said, hey, I've got a garden rake. You need a garden rake. And they shared that garden rake. Luke isn't meaning to say here, we're not to have this idea that everyone was an identical carbon copy of every other person. They didn't all uh, look the same, talk the same, smell the same. They were in community together. They saw their differences and they celebrated them and they were yet together, sharing together. The book of Acts goes on in chapter 4, verse 32, to, to, verse 32 to give us a clearer picture, maybe. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything. A little deeper to the understanding there of, of why it is they could get to a point where they shared what they had, because they knew it wasn't there. This sounds familiar here at Hyde Wesleyan Church, Amen. Sounds like something that we talk about from time to time here in the area of stewardship, of realizing that everything we have... Now, listen, you may have the receipt for it. You may have the receipt for it, and it's attached with a staple or a binder clip to the manual for it, right? Is anybody doing that? Still, we put the receipt in the manual in the top drawer. I wish I did that. That would help me in so many instances. We may think we paid for it. <laughs> we may have a payment book that says we're going to be paying for it for the next 30 years. <laughs> but it's not ours. You've seen me do this before. The reminder here in this understanding of being in true community is living like this and saying what I do have is not really mine to begin with. It's yours, Lord. What would you do with it? And that idea of generosity and giving back, being in true community says, I don't hoard my resources. I want God to use them. We call it stewardship. We call it faithful stewardship and trusting that God wants it and can use it. it leads us to number eight. The characteristic of the early church is that they gave selflessly. Verse 45 says they sold their property and possessions and shared with those in need. This is an earmark of the early church that reached into its community to know the need and to say, we can meet that need. Here in Acts, it seems to be financial. What is it in 2020? Whatever it is, May selflessness, may selflessness be an earmark, a hallmark, a known identifying factor of the Hyde Wesleyan Church. Number nine, scripture goes on. Verse 46, they worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Or another way of hearing generosity is sincere hearts. This early church was filled with joy and sincerity. Authenticity, can we use that word? Realness, how about that? Joy and sincerity were markers of this early church. I'm going to get in trouble. Here it comes. 
Is this joy? Let's be filled with joy. Let's be real. Do we have hurts, brokenness, despair, grief, mourning? Absolutely. But we don't have it. We don't have it like those who don't have joy. We don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. That's God's word. That's not Pastor Stephen. We don't have to mourn. We don't have to be disparaged. Is that a word? We don't have to. Like those who have no hope. The hope we have in Jesus Christ should fill you every single day of the week with a joy that bubbles over into how you talk to your neighbor, into how you deal with your boss into how you love your spouse, into how you deal with whatever life is bringing. The early church is marked by joy and sincerity. They are filled to overfilled with joy and authenticity because of whose they are. Intent, they praised God and had favor in their community. Again, why they gathered was to praise God. Again, one of the conversations we have as a, a church staff, as your pastoral team, we have this conversation. It's often awkward. We ask the question again and again sometimes of what would happen if Hyde Wesleyan Church didn't exist? What would happen in our community if we didn't exist? And we have to have that conversation often because we should have a mark on Clearfield as a community. We should make an impact on where it is God has planted us. Amen? The early church found favor with their community. They were meeting together. They were gathered together. They were sharing in the needs amongst themselves and in their community. They were making a difference. They were praising God and still being a difference maker in their community. I don't know exactly how it looks every day of the week, but I know God has asked us to do it. A few years ago, I was invited, while I was still pastoring in Shippensburg, I was invited to come uh, be the, the, the chaplain at the House of Representatives, the PA uh, State Senate, not the House of Representatives, the State Senate in Harrisburg. I got this letter in the mail that looked really formal, inviting me to be the guest of Senator or Representative Holloway. And I accepted not knowing exactly what that meant. And I reached out to a bunch of my pastor peers and said, hey, I've been invited to give the opening prayer on a morning of session. And uh, I don't know exactly what that means. And my mentor at the time, still to this day, one of my mentors, Dr. Jim Dunn, <laughs> simply responded to my ask of, hey, what do, I, what do I do? What do I say? What don't I say? You know what he said to me? Be a good guest. Be a good guest. That, that day came and I had the opportunity to pray that morning and there were some uh, ways in which they asked me to not pray specifically and I used my words the way that I felt the Lord wanted me to and I tried in that season and that opportunity to be a good guest. Heads up, if you're using the Bible app later on, you can watch the video, it's in there. 
in our community, in our culture, I, I want to strive to be the best neighbor. I want 1215 Riverview Road to be known by our neighbors as being a nice place to live close to. I want our church to be known on this road where we've been given in this community in the zip code of 16830 as being a benefit, as being a blessing, as being a resource for our community. I want to be known in a community of many churches as a church that gives itself away to other churches in Clearfield County. I want us to be a team together of finding unique and special ways of being cordial, being a blessing, being a good guest where we've been planted. The early church maintained a good opinion in their community as it remained faithful to the worship of the one true God. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know how long tax-exempt statuses will exist for churches, right? I mean, we read headlines that say, it's coming. I read the same headlines. I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds. You know what comes next after that? But I know who holds tomorrow, who holds the future. Amen. So what? The early church had these earmarks. This is who they were. This was their identity. This is what they were known by. The result of this identity of what they were in their communities, what they were in fellowship together, the result is included in Scripture there at the end of verse 47. says, Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I think this should overwhelm us. The result of being the early church, of them being a baptizing community, of being public in their testimonies of faith, a result of being students of God's word, devoted to the apostles' teaching, of, the, uh, of them fellowshipping together, of them focused on the Lord's prayer, of them devoted to prayer, of them experiencing the miraculous, of them being in true community, of them giving selflessly, of them being filled with gladness, joy, and sincerity, of them praising God and having favor in their community the result the results of those characteristics is that the lord added to their number daily those who were being saved those who were being bought uh, being brought into the faith those who also were being marked by being followers of christ those who were once far off living in darkness, were being brought to light because of the ministry of the early church of Christ. Hyde Wesleyan Church. It's 2020. We've got an opportunity today, right now, every day. For some reason, again, let me say it this way, for some unknown reason to me, as I look around, I'm not God. But for some reason, God is withholding his wrath upon this world right now. And we have an opportunity to build the ark. We have an opportunity to share with the world the hope we have that salvation is available. The rain's coming. Will you stand with me?
Hyde Wesleyan Church, you get a lot of things right. We do a lot of things right. There is selfless giving in our midst. There is a hunger and a thirst for God's word in our midst. There is a desire to be a praying people. We do some things well. We celebrate with food pretty well. We gather for the Lord's Supper very well. We remember well. But we mustn't plateau. We shouldn't say, we do that better than someone else. We should never compare ourselves to any other human entity. Let's be more like Jesus who gave us breath. Let's be more like the Holy Spirit that is in our midst. Let's love. Let's be. Let's go. Will you pray? In that understanding, Lord, of a heart's desire to be your church. Not to do church, but to be your church, your hands and feet, used by you, we ask for you to give us strength. Would you show us how it is you are asking us in our unique identity, in our unique position, with our resources, with the blessings that are so prevalent in our midst, with the gifts and abilities of this local body, Lord Jesus, would you use us? Would you use us? Lord, I pray. That you would remind us every day that we are yours. And that you are desiring, not just because it's 2020, that you are desiring every day to use the likes of us to enact your will upon this world, to bring your kingdom, even in a small way, in our circle, as it is in heaven. We surrender individually and corporally to you. And we ask for your strength, for your convicting power. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen.